Hey folks, it's John from A's for Alcoholic again. Today's conversation is with Kyle Frame. He was kind enough to get back to me after I reached out on Twitter to see if anybody wanted to do a podcast. So he's been a listener of ours for uh, several months now and is newly sober. And, you know, one of the things he said was, I'm not, I'm, I'm concerned that I don't have anything to offer. My story's not so crazy. It's only been, you know, 26 days that I've been sober. And all I can say is, is that I, in the short period of time that we got to talk, learned a lot and it was, it was great to listen to him and for him to share his experience and to be upfront and honest and open and, and to allow it to help other people. So again, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Kyle. It was really awesome to meet you, to talk with you. And I know that I will see you on the other side of all this madness. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kyle Frame. Yeah, just, uh, just promise me if this is boring, you won't put it out. <laughs> well, so, so here's my thing about that. Here's where, <clears throat> excuse me, because I know it's very easy to um, to go like, I don't know, man, I don't have much to say. But the thing that I have learned is that it's not my job to know what's going to affect somebody else. Because if I had been too worried about what I was saying, I probably never would have started a podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I really, I just want to say that I think it's, I think everybody's story is valuable and that's really why I wanted to talk to you. Um, especially being so, so new. So I would just say one, congratulations. What are we talking about now? Right. Uh, Uh, 20, 24, uh, the 26th of February was the last time I drank. Uh, the 27th was day one. Wow. Um, so I, one of the things I'm always curious about with people when they, when they make this decision is, um, how far back, when did alcohol first affect your life? You know? Um, and well, I guess, let me just start by saying, hello, everybody. A is for alcoholic. (laughs) Um, I'm here with, uh, one of our, uh, Patreon patrons and, um, listeners, Kyle, and he was, he was kind enough to share his story. So as you heard, he's only got, um, and I should I don't want to say only as if 24 days, you said 24 days. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a huge deal, man. And like I remember that first in the beginning of that first month, and it was really hard. Um, so I hope you're doing well. And amidst all of the other madness that's going on around the the world, um, so yeah, I guess that's that's where I like to start is just to say where where how did alcohol first affect your life, or where did you first um, come in contact with it? Um, well, I was a uh... A little different than most people. I uh, I waited until I was 21. Uh, <laughs> I, f- I followed all the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in the Navy at the time. And, uh, you know, I turned 21. I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, and I didn't know what else to do. So I was like, well, I went to the base club and just, you know, ordered something. Uh, I think it was Smirnoff Ice. Just I didn't know any better. I knew I probably wouldn't like beer because everyone's like, taste how it smells. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't want that. Um, so I started off light and easy and it wasn't until about a month later after that, uh, I, I didn't get inebriated or anything. Um, you know, it was only like one or two drinks. I was like, Oh, okay. Big deal. Went home. <laughs> uh, and then about a month later I made this huge mistake in a, in a Navy bar, mind you. 
of going up to the bartender and, uh, and actually saying, you know, I've never had a shot before. And that was within earshot of several other sailors who immediately took that as a, oh, well, we need to introduce you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I, I got introduced to this drink called a, a shot, Three Wiseman. Yes, uh, I know this nine, one. Yeah, eight or nine times in a row. Uh, that was the first time I was hung over the next day, but I, I wasn't blackout drunk or anything like that. And the hangover wasn't like seriously bad or anything. It just, you know, a headache. Um, and, you know, then it kind of tapered off for a while. Um, I mean, it was always there, but it wasn't like, uh, like in meetings, I'll, I'll always tell people like, I'm, I'm kind of weird because I never really liked drinking. I still don't. All right. <laughs> like I was, I was always... I was always aware enough to to realize like when I was having fun and alcohol was involved, it wasn't because of the alcohol it was because I was doing something else that was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and alcohol happened to be there, you know, again, I was in the Navy sailors. So they always, you know, Hey, let's go to the bar. Okay, fine. You know, and we'd be playing pool and that would be fun. And the alcohol just happened to be there. It wasn't until a lot later when I started using alcohol as a, a tool to get me through some rough patches, uh, still in the Navy. Uh, the first times I imagined were a real problem was, uh, <clears throat> I had this ridiculous chief who, uh, made a rule that said nobody could go home until six o'clock at night, regardless of whether or not there was anything to do. Uh, hmm. and in the, in the Navy, your, your salary. So, you know, you could literally check in at seven 30 in the morning and then be gone eight o'clock for the rest of the day. Uh, but we would just all sit around not doing anything and you know you'd have our division i was in sonar on submarines okay so so when the boat is not submerged there's no reason for sonar men to to be there (laughs) you know they they can easily open their eyes and look oh yes the horizon we do not need (laughs) we do not need sonar right now uh so we were useless so that was really infuriating and i remember i would be so angry um coming home that the first thing I would do when I get home is I'd, ha- I'd have a bottle of a uh, Jim Beam black, which was my favorite. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, it would be waiting for me on the banister. Like as soon as I got through the door with a shot glass there and I would just like one, two, three, four. And that was before I said, hello, took my clothes off, anything, uh-huh. uh, just to calm down. Um, and I did that for a whole summer. <laughs> And this was, uh, did you, did you live alone? Did you live with other people? I, I had was, a roommate. I had a roommate right. and uh, my girlfriend at the time, that's now my wife, uh, saw that mm. and she was very worried, <laughs> of course. Right. Um, but she, she took a very hands-off approach. Uh, and since we weren't married, it was more of a, well, let's wait and see how this works out. Mm-hmm. And the situation changed, you know, I got a different chief. I went to a different boat, you know, I no longer needed the tool of alcohol to get through a rough time. Uh, so again, you know, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really a heavy drinker. It didn't start until I got out of the Navy and, uh, the private sector started to, uh, really dig into me. Okay. Um, and so, so just real quick, you're 21, you're in the Navy, um, mm-hmm. and you're, and you, when do you leave the Navy at what age? 2006 at uh, the age of 25. Okay. So it's 2006, it's 25. You've kind of gone back and forth and used alcohol as a crutch, but then felt like you were able to, to remove it when you needed to. Yeah. Yeah. I was okay. not addicted at that point. I didn't, I definitely didn't have any concerns at that point. Uh, although I probably should have, you know, hindsight being 2020. Right. Um, hmm. 
Yeah. So the private <laughs> sector, you're it's 2006, and you're you said you're 20 25. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, by this time, I'm married to my wife, and we're all we're up here in uh, Bremerton, Washington. Mm-hmm. And uh, so luckily, you know, I'm I'm trained. I'm an electronics technician, and Washington's great for that because Boeing, Google, and all those places are up here. Uh, so you know, I was able to find work. Um, and I've always been the type of person cause my, my dad worked the same place my entire life and, you know, had a 30 year pension and everything. So I always wanted that. And then, uh, 2008 happened, uh, financial and, crisis. Yeah. 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 And I was laid off. I spent six months on unemployment, which was not cool. And, uh, it was funny the the layoff was weird because you know they, they announced months ahead of time hey we're gonna lay everyone off in three months and first off <laughs> was like why would you tell us that <laughs> that's that's horrible because then we're all just like sitting there waiting for the shoe to drop uh and and then we were we were all thinking okay well, well who would you lay off and we're like oh well i'd hit, i'd lay off that guy because because he abused the uh he, he was huffing paint thinner in the bathroom <laughs> And and that's wow. really bad. I'll be yeah. He got caught doing that, and they're like, okay, I'd lay him off, and I'd lay off that guy over there because he's got attitude problems. And you know, we went down the list, and then when they finally did the layoffs, we we were all invited into a room, and we all looked at each other like, what did you do? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and we're all like, we didn't do anything, and it wasn't. It was actually uh, because if you do well on your evaluation, you would get a higher raise than people who didn't. And all of us were the top earners. So they let us go because we made too much and not because we failed at anything. That's fucked uh, up. Welcome to the private sector, right? Yeah. Wow. So they kept the guy who was huffing acetone. They kept the guy who literally punched his supervisor. <laughs> it was it was crazy. Um, but anyway, then I went to the only job that would hire me was uh, fixing ATMs, which is a mm-hmm. 24-7 uh, business. Uh, and I barely saw my wife at all during that time. And I was very lonely, uh, cause they wanted me to work late shifts and that that's when the actual problem began. So I was already really stressed out from, you know, financial and employment instability. And now all of a sudden I had a schedule where I was isolated and I wasn't held accountable by anyone. Mm-hmm. So it kind of became that, Oh, well, gee, it's 10 o'clock at night. My wife's already asleep. I, all my friends are asleep. I'll just go ahead and, you know, buy a bottle, hit McDonald's. Cause I really want to trash my body. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I know uh, it. And, and sit in front of the computer, play video games and, and completely get wasted. And I did that for a few years. Um, just because the schedule I was on allowed me to, um, the schedule was very enabling that way because again, my wife never saw me drink. Uh, she was always asleep. So when, if she ever saw me, it was the next day and I'm, you know, fully awake and fine. And, you know, so she had no idea anything was going on. So there was no judgment or pressure at all. And that's how it kind of got its hooks in me. Uh, cause uh, you know, I didn't think it was a problem or anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so you're so this just goes on for your your you're working the, the late shift. You don't see your wife. You are you you're getting you're basically getting away with it at this point. And there there's no I guess I don't want to say there's no consequences, but there's no outward consequences yeah. yet for yeah, the drink. No, nobody notices anything. And this was uh, before Facebook took off. So there wasn't even like me being drunk, going on social media, being an ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was it was just me, you know, playing video games. I mean, there was right. no repercussions whatsoever other than my pocketbook uh, for this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, uh, and then, you know, uh, I did switch jobs to a more stable, close to a nine to five thing, fixing uh, plasma televisions. And, uh, my wife got pregnant and that's why we did that. We were like, well, I can't do this 24 seven thing anymore. And it kind of went away for a while there. I was like, okay, because okay, I'm doing the nine to five. I obviously can't drink. My wife's pregnant. That would be bad. So I cut back. I didn't quit, but I definitely cut back. It was like a weekends only thing. And, uh, then, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, fate happened again. So, uh, I was working with Panasonic fixing plasmas. Uh, and at that time, uh, Panasonic had cornered the market on plasma televisions. I mean, they just dominated. Uh, but they didn't have the foresight to see that their competitors would be working on the LCDs or, and mm -hmm. LEDs. And so when the LEDs, I'm sorry, I can't remember if it's LCD or LED, but anyway, when, one, when those became comparable to the plasmas, Panasonic's stock dropped like $30 in one day, and magically I got laid off again. Uh, yeah. So then I ended up going back to the ATM job, but this time as a contractor because they didn't have any open billets for me. And again, I was put on that crazy, insane schedule. Only this time they wanted me to drive all the way up here from uh, Seattle down to uh, California, Sacramento, San Francisco area. Jesus. So, yeah. Well, it was great on the mileage because they were paying me in my own car. That was fantastic. But yeah, again, I'm, I'm in that isolating schedule again. I'm all by myself. Um, so I fell into it then. And of course, because I'm a contractor, I don't have sick days, I don't have paid leave, I don't have vacation, I don't have anything, and financially, everything's becoming a problem again. Um, so it became a crutch on top of a very conducive schedule. Right. And you're, um, you're drinking on the road, like um, when you're driving to jobs and staying in hotels and stuff? In hotels, I never drove drunk. I okay. I, I always consider it was a joke. I always consider myself the responsible alcoholic because mm -hmm. um, I, I I never got angry and hit anybody. I never woke up in an ER with broken bones or anything like that. Any never had mysterious injuries. Uh, never got into any trouble with the law. Um, you know, uh, nothing like that. Um, but, but yeah, I'd get to the hotel room and it'd be like, oh, cool, I'm in California. They don't have those high liquor taxes Washington does. <laughs> exactly. And I'd go, yeah, I'd save a few bucks. I'd be like, well, it would be criminal not to get it here. It's right? cheap. Gallon of Maker's oh. Mark for $10 or whatever, oh. you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that, that didn't help. Um, but then, again, after 18 months of being a contractor, they let me go because there's a new law that says uh, if you work as a contractor anywhere for 18 months consistently, the company has to either let you go or start giving you benefits. So they cut me loose because they didn't want to pay me benefits. So once again, I'm unemployed. Uh, yeah. And then I go, I go to work uh, for another facility to fix aviation parts. And they're fine. But by then, I'm a full-blown alcoholic. I'm drinking daily. Um, I'm waking up and going to work in the morning hungover, but the upside, I guess, if you want to say that was since they never knew me sober, they just considered that the norm. So mm -hmm. there was no comparison. It's not like I went in totally sober one day and went in totally hungover the next and they're like, Oh man, you had a rough night. No, it just looked like every night was a rough night. So they just assumed that's how I was. <clears throat> So there was never any pushback from work, uh, except when absences started piling up. Um, but being an alcoholic makes me a great liar. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had I had myriads of excuses of why I couldn't be in or anything, and I played the "Hey, I have kids" card a few times. Sure. Um, but then, <laughs> uh, um, our schedules changed. The kids started going to school. My wife got a new job, changed her hours. So suddenly, somebody had to watch the kids in the morning to make sure they got to school at time. So I put in for second shift. Once again, I'm on second shift. Uh, so get home at 11 o'clock midnight, bottle in hand, terrible food, drink, be able to wake up the next morning, get the kids to school, immediately start drinking again, because I had this all mapped out. I had the math perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, okay, if I get one fifth and I start drinking right when I get home at 10, I'll drink a little more than half of that blackout pass out, be up by six or seven because by this time i couldn't be asleep if i wasn't drunk so the second the drunk wore off i was awake again Uh, um so i'd be awake be fully functional for the kids i always made sure that was there um but as soon as they were gone i'm like okay i dropped the kids off at nine i'm back home i still have the remainder of that fifth i go ahead finish that then i can be up by one o'clock take a shower get to work by two and start all over again and that was my system um was i had it completely mapped out um then this last year fate happened again they decided to close the plant and move to kansas (laughs) and so once again i was looking for a job and the whole frustrating part about all this is that every time you know my managers are constantly telling me kyle you're a great worker you're amazing you're awesome if i could clone you we would be the best in the world kind of a deal yet every time through no fault of my own i'm getting you know laid off or the plants moving and i'm just getting screwed over so the whole idea of oh if you work hard and play by the rules you'll succeed completely has imploded for me at that point um so it just kind of became worse yeah i yeah (laughs) i was gonna say is when you talk about doing the math and having it all organized and and thinking well if i get off at work because when i worked restaurant jobs uh when i was tending bar that would be one of those things you know well almost until the very end like there was a time where i wouldn't drink at work and then i would get home and do the math to have enough and then i would wake up and have a couple of drinks like early and then go back to sleep and then go to work and do it over and over and over again. This whole uh-huh. weird <clears throat> maintenance thing, thinking that drinking early in the morning was acceptable because I, you know, justifying it to myself because I'm going to work. I'm, I'm fulfilling my responsibilities, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, when I was drinking, I was always alone. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. I never drank while I was watching my kids. I would never drink you know, when I was expected to, Hey Kyle, we're having people over later tonight. It'd be like, Oh, okay. I knew instinctively don't drink then because we're going to have people over. Mm -hmm. So again, those were the rules. And as long as I follow those rules, I felt like I was doing okay. Um, but you know, I I really want to stress, I'm very strange in my group when I mentioned this is like, no, really, I don't like drinking. I never did. Uh, every time I got it, I had to justify it other than, Oh, it's a great thing I want to do. No, it was always, if you don't drink, you won't sleep. And if you don't sleep, you won't function. So you have to drink to sleep. And, you know, you have to drink because you have anxiety and depression and all these other screwed up things that are going on and things are out of your control. And ultimately, I I think it became a control thing for me. Like this was the thing I could control. 
not realizing it controlled me, but I always felt like I was in control of this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is the one thing I can't control my house. I can't control my job. I can't control my life, but I can control this. Like, this is me. This is my time. This is what I can do with it. And this is what I'm going This I'm choosing to do this. Um, <clears throat> but it uh, all changed last October. Um, I mean, I, I knew I was bad for about a year before last October. Um, I got this weird pain around where your liver sits. Yeah. And, uh, and it wouldn't go away. And I was really, really worried about it. Um, and as soon as I got it, I was like, oh man, that's it. I've got psoriasis or something, you know, I'm, I'm dead. Uh, and I quit drinking for like a month right there, but it didn't go away. Uh, and then, so finally after a month, I'm like, all right, I'll go to the doctor. I'll see what this is. And they do an, uh, a huge scan. They put me in the machine They do all that. They do my blood work and they're like, fine. It's probably just a pinched nerve. And I was like, that's the worst thing you could have told me because that <laughs> meant I can still drink now. If you'd have told me I'd have had a liver condition, there's no way I would have picked up another bottle, but you told me it was just a pinched nerve. So that blew that up right there. I was so pissed off. <laughs> I was like, because you wanted, you, you me- wanted a reason to quit. I wanted, I want, yeah, I did. I wanted somebody to tell me if you take another drink, you'll die. And, and for it to be real, not like, uh, you'll, you'll hear it a lot of times in the, in the meetings, people will metaphorically say, Oh, if I drink again, I know I'm going to die. And, and it's like, yeah, that may be true, but it not right away. Like, like I really wanted someone to tell me one more drink and you're dead and for it to be real. And that would be enough to, to knock sense into me at that point. Um, but yeah, they, they told me it was a pinched nerve. So I just went right back into the old habits. Um, and then, uh, last October I got big into podcasts at work. It was great. They had free wifi and I had nothing else to do. So (laughs) eight hours a day, I'm listening to podcasts and I'm like, this is great. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm listening to this one. And if you don't listen to it, you really should. It's called uh, with friends like these with Anna Marie Cox. And uh, she okay. did this one in October. I forget who she did it with, but she was having a a woman whose uh, whose brother died of a heroin overdose. And uh, Anna's mother had died of an alcohol overdose, and she too had been an alcoholic. So they started talking about you know addiction and all that. And I'd heard discussions like this before, and it wasn't phasing me until. This woman says, yeah, when I found out my brother was dead, the first thought that went through my brain was, fuck you, dude. And then, you know, Anna kind of sympathized with that and or empath- sympathized with that and was like, yeah, when my mother passed away, it was like, God dang it. What the heck is wrong with you? Like their first impulse <clears throat> when a loved one of theirs passed wasn't, oh, that's a shame or, oh, I'm going to miss them or anything like that. It was it was it was absolute anger and hatred at the person for that. And that, that kind of thought never crossed my mind at all. Like I I have young kids, they're only five and seven. And I was always thinking, Oh, well, you know, if I die, I die, you know, it's my time. I can't do anything about that. And, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll remember me in a certain way. And I'm sure everybody does this, like, uh, you know, what will be said at my funeral. And, and uh, it never occurred to me that somebody could get up at my funeral and be like, I hate this man for what he put me through mm-hmm. and that everybody could get together and collectively not like me as a dead person. Uh, and, you know, with young kids, even 
you know, hypothetically, I died tomorrow, 10, 15 years from now, they're going through high school, they're going through young adulthood without their dad. And, you know, they could look back and be like, yeah, I, I hate him for, for what he did. And that really jarred me. That was a uh, that was the 9th of October, 2019. Okay. And that was and the first. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, was there something that prompted you toward listening to that podcast? Or did you just come across it? Was was addiction or alcoholism something that was on your mind at that point? or? Not entirely. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, I was, I'm a huge political junkie. Okay. And the lady who runs that podcast, while she doesn't always talk about politics, she mm -hmm. has been on a few cable shows as kind of like a... a you know, a guest to interview, okay. you know, Hey, what do you think about this? So I followed her because, because of that, Got uh, it. but she, okay. she actually talks about politics very little on that show. She's, she's doing it. Um, she just tries to bring on different perspectives and try to understand right. people. Um, okay. so I was listening to her for that. And so it was just complete, you know, it wasn't intentional, at least not consciously, maybe my subconscious was trying to knock some sense into me. Um, but as soon as I heard that I did a search for podcasts on alcoholism and you guys popped up and a few others i'm serious you guys popped up and i listened to you guys and i immediately went back because you'd already been doing it for like a year and a half at that point mm -hmm. and uh, i immediately went back i listened to a through z all the first season and then and then caught up i think it was mid-november before i finally caught up to you guys live um but i i was like okay i'm gonna quit that was the first time I was like, all right, this is done. I'm over it. You know, screw this. Um, so I guess some addicts like to try it on their own. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was. And yeah. I did a little success here and there. I'd go a week or two and be fine. And then either I would get triggered somehow. Something would make me very anxious or, uh, or angry. Um, and I would instinctively go to the bottle or yeah. in a few cases i would just be bored um it, you know uh, you'll probably recognize this you guys have talked about this too where uh you know you spend so much time drinking that when you remove drinking you still have all that time to spend <laughs> yes it's you like, do hey i i dedicated like 10 to 12 hours a day to drinking and now i don't have drinking so what's going to fill that 10 to 12 hours and it's i was really ready for that yeah yeah and uh and then all of a sudden i'm sitting there and i'm like okay i'm i've got nothing else i'm usually drinking right now what do i do <laughs> and uh i'd fall into old habits because of that and um so on and off until uh you know late february <clears throat> and uh oh by the way so uh the previous job they went to kansas i was i was very lucky and i found this new job uh my boss is awesome. My coworkers are awesome. The job itself is amazing. Uh, and while the absences started piling up very early on, nobody questioned it. Like there was mm -hmm. no nothing. Everybody was over the top. Kyle, you're amazing. We don't care. And it was just like, this is nuts. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I hit the jackpot. And that's actually one of the reasons that I think this, uh, this one's got a better chance of holding than others. Um, Cause I really felt bad you know, taking advantage of their goodwill. Sure. Um, but anyway, uh, about a week before the 26th of February, you know, I was going strong. I think I had like 10 or 11 days under my belt and uh, I got bored. And I went on like a five day bender from like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. 
and I think the 26th or the 27th was a Wednesday. I'd have to go back and look, but um, I missed. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Tuesday. I missed work. I just called in sick completely. And at first, when I, it was dumb, I was arguing with myself about calling in sick because I'm like, Kyle, if you call in sick, you know what you're gonna do. You're not gonna sit here and recover. You're gonna go get another <laughs> bottle and start all over again. Yes. Uh, and sure enough, that's exactly what I did. I called in sick with the intent of I'm just gonna sleep it off and be cool. And instead, was like, well, now I got the whole day by myself. Woohoo! Good times. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that day was scary because at 10 o'clock, my liquor store opened and I went and got a bottle. And Jim Beam Black? Uh, just Jim Still? Beam. I, I Jim downgraded Beam? to just regular okay. old Jim Beam. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's expensive up here in Washington with yes, the liquor tax. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, okay. but, but Jim Beam is my favorite. I found that worked for me just fine. Uh, found out later my grandfather also loved his whiskey. Mm. Um, didn't know that. Um, but so the last day was very scary for me because, so I got the bottle at 10 by 10 30, I was drinking it at home. I don't remember going to bed, but I remember waking up at about 1 PM still, I'm, I'm home alone for the most part. Uh, so I start drinking again. I don't is, remember this going back. Day? This is the same day. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm telling you, this is, this is this freaky part. So yeah, 10 o'clock, I buy it. 10.30, I start drinking. I wake up at 1, having no idea how long I was drinking for or anything, but it's 1 p.m. I wake up. I start drinking immediately again at 1 o'clock. I wake up again at 8 p.m. I don't recall actually going to bed, so I blacked out now twice. It's 8 p.m. My wife is putting the kids to bed. I'm getting up. I immediately go back to my little computer desk, fire up the computer, and finish off that bottle. And I wake up the next morning, 6 a.m., and I don't remember how I got to bed. That was the third time I'd blacked out in one day. Never done that before. Um, And that's what freaked me out. And that's when I was like, okay, okay, you've tried several times now to do this yourself. Clearly, it's not working. Um. And of course, I feel like complete shit this time. I'm, you know, uh, physically, I'm just sick as a dog. Uh, And at that point, I was like, all right, you're going to a meeting, period. So the question is, do you want to go to the meeting before work or after? Mm -hmm. And I decided uh, better to bite the bullet as soon as possible. I called in to work. I said, I'm going to be late. I have a meeting I have to go to. I didn't tell them at the time what it was. And I went to my first meeting at 9.15 on the 27th. Uh, it was just whatever I could find. I found an app on my phone and just, just went to the first right. one. Um, and then I went to work and I told my coworkers and I went, went to my boss and I told him, I was like, Hey, I'm, I was sick yesterday cause I was blind stinking drunk and I was late today because I was going to my very first AA meeting. And, uh, again, um, they were more than pleased with everything they were like no you do whatever you need to do to get over this we support you and everything which god that i i really hit the jackpot there i don't know how i got that but um yeah i've, I've been sober since uh, i was going to a meeting every day until this uh virus thing shut everything mm-hmm. down <laughs> um yeah I, I found a good group too they're uh they don't take it too seriously i've i have <laughs> gone to a few meetings mm-hmm. where it's very very serious and then I went to another meeting that was kind of like a KKK rally. And I was like, what, what is going mm-hmm. on here? Yeah. 
There's all <laughs> kinds, man. It's yeah. I I I don't you know I don't I don't speak for it, the program in any way, shape, or form. I just know that it comes in many different. I guess the only thing I say is to people who say, "Oh, I went to one and I didn't like it," is that there is there's there's something out there for everyone. There's something that fits because I've been to a bunch of them and a lot of them I didn't like, and um, it was. So and and some people just don't. I have a friend who's you know two years sober, doesn't go. He's cool with it. I know another guy ten years sober. Right? I interviewed yeah. him on the show. Has never been not interested. He's like I, I think he said to me when when I interviewed him. He said I probably could have. I probably should have. But it's you know ten years on. I'm I'm not interested. I've I've figured out my own way. And so I think that it's really important to find something that that suits you that fits you not not that allows you to justify your bad behavior you know what i mean that's yeah. the thing that i had to i had to learn was what is it what is the thing that's going to help me heal what is the thing that's going to help me to recover not oh that doesn't work for me because i'm special i'm too good i'm different whatever those things that i would tell myself when i was still thinking like an alcoholic mm-hmm. um and i think it's amazing that you you recognized it. You blacked out three times in a day. You recognized it because I would do that shit regularly, you know, and mm-hmm. I would do that. That took me there. Were, there must have been like four or five years of maybe not that long, but I would black out constantly. It was it was almost like a nightly thing. Come home, black out, wake up. What the fuck? Drink some more. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the nightly thing was definitely happening by then. And mm-hmm. I had come to terms with that because I was again at that point, I was if I don't drink, I won't sleep. Um, and as anyone will tell you, you know, the first few nights, uh, you know, you, you feel like crap. You're not really sleeping. You're just laying there. Yeah. And uh, and it was funny. I go to the meeting and everybody's talking like, oh, that first day I could have I could have totally drank everything. And I'm like, no. No, I'm the exact opposite. Again, I'm, I'm very opposite to my groups because I always go in. I'm like, oh, no, the first few days are easy because I feel like crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the last thing I want to do is drink. Like if you gave me a drink right now, I'd be like, oh, no, get that the hell away from me, man. <laughs> I don't want it. Uh, I always told them the dangerous part is like about a weekend when you actually start to feel better. Uh, or when I started to feel better, I'd feel better after about a week to 10 days. I'd be like, yeah. And then I'd get all positive and the nostalgia kicks in and your brain starts tricking you saying, oh, it's not that bad. You know, you've done really good. Go ahead. You, you know, deserve and, it. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it's a five day bender. And it's like, what the hell? This was not the plan. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay. And so so I guess one thing I would ask, well, one, how do you feel today versus you know, February 26th? Uh, well, I, I feel better. I'm, I'm running into the problem now. Cause, um, I, I said that the last meeting I went to, I actually noticed this. I was like, um, I think I've always been an alcoholic, even though there hasn't always been alcohol mm-hmm. because when it comes to food, I have to finish it. Yeah. Like you give me a supersized fry. I'm going to eat the whole damn thing. And I'm going to finish the entire plate. And I was telling everybody, it was like, it was crazy. I got off work early one day and I was like, Oh, it's lunchtime. So I went to Denny's. I get, of course, it's Denny's because it's terrible food, and that's what I uh, apparently that's what I do. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I get a I get an appetizer of mozzarella cheese sticks, and then I follow that with the country fried steak and eggs meal. I eat the entire thing, feel like garbage, and it, I I do that. So I was like, you know, no matter what it is, I have to finish it. So when it came to alcohol, I 
that's probably why I didn't view alcoholism as a problem because I was like, no, this is just a natural continuation of who I am. I must get to the bottom of every bottle, whether it's cherry Pepsi or Jim Beam, it doesn't matter. I will finish it. Uh, and right now I'm kind of dealing with that because I'm noticing, uh, like yesterday, I ate horribly. Let's just say it was garbage mm -hmm. all day. Um, and today I feel very ill to my stomach. And before I would have chalked it off to the alcohol and not thought about what else I'm putting in my body. Um, but now I'm realizing, oh, no, really, it was it was your bad eating, too. So I'm I'm in the process of trying to work it out. And and I know you guys were talking about, you know, it took you a few years before you started exercising and all that. But me, I'm sitting here like, you know, I really feel like I need to get on this right now because I'm in a bad spot. Um, so I, I, think, I need to do something. I think that, you know, I... It's, I was exactly the same way, man. I can, I have, I have lots of bad memories from like McDonald's drive through and going and getting it and bringing it home or eating it in the parking lot and bringing some home and having these, what I would call fast food hangovers where I would just uh -huh. be so sick the next day. I would fall asleep feeling so sick and I would wake up the next day feeling so sick. And, um, I, I, I yeah, if you feel you need to get on it, today then i would just i would follow whatever impetus you feel inside yourself like honestly yeah. if that's if that's happening that's a good thing because for me it took me a long time it took me it took me way too long to realize those behaviors and that's what they are it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what the substance is it doesn't matter whether it's you know i now deal with things where it's like oh maybe i maybe i sh i eat too many grapes but it used to be peanut m&ms and before that it was <laughs> fucking ice cream and before that it was vodka gin whiskey rum whatever i could get my hands on so uh. it's gotten better and so i still see some of the the behavior patterns right i just kind of have shifted the substances and it's it's made a huge difference and i think that that's part of it because i know that even when i in the beginning when i would walk a mile a day and i was like almost 300 pounds you know and so i would walk a mile a day but I was I was still eating. I couldn't. I would never. I was never going to be able to outwalk, out exercise, the diet. You know. Mm. So if you've got something like if there's if you feel strongly about wanting to tackle it and and handle it, I say go for it, man. But you know, I think the biggest thing is I would say is is keeping myself sober, right? So mm. that means if that means a candy bar. Instead of a drink, I'm going to go with a candy bar. If that means a donut at a meeting, which I know is not really, these are not happening as much anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now, but I always tell people, like, when they ask me, hey, yeah, go do that. Have that. Don't worry about that for now. Because trying to tackle too many things at once, and I know that the one thing that I cannot ever, ever, ever do again is drink. If I have a donut... Uh, I remember the last donut I had and it was fucking delicious. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember it was, it was November 3rd. It was the day after the marathon and our friend had brought them up from LA and they were this, these super fancy donuts. And I was like, Oh my God, they're so delicious. And so like, that's, but that, the fact that I think about it that way or on my birthday, when my girlfriend made me this special little ice cream, it was sugar free, but it was like this peanut butter and jelly ice cream Sunday thing. And I'm like, it just hits that little spot in my brain, you know? It's just like, ooh, yeah, that's what I need. But my body doesn't need that because I ate too much ice cream and then my stomach hurt. 
But it was like my brain was like, yeah, that's it, John. Get some more of that. And that's the thing that I need to be careful of. And that's the thing that I need to watch out for. But ultimately, it has to be the booze first. I have to fucking I have to stay on top of that one and then work on the other things. But if there's something in you that says, hey, let's get some exercise. Hey, let's change our diet. Do it, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you, what plan or what ideas you have, but I mean, look for people that have done things before that work. And, and I, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm really impressed with the fact that you, you recognize these things so quickly and act on them. You well, know? I've been, like I said, I've been doing the podcast thing ever since uh, October. It's like the majority of what I listen to is like, a, you guys got me on rich roll. And then uh, there, there were a few others before that. Um, shoot, I forget. Um, but there was one lady who was talking about just a uh, mental health. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's how I found out I'm uh, what's called a HSP, a highly sensitive person. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I did. I didn't know I was that, uh, but it made sense as soon as I heard the definition of it. Cause I did, I do recall having a teacher one time and we were talking, she's like, yeah, you, you always seem to feel things more strongly than, other people. And I always thought it was me being a, a little girl, you know, I'll cry during movies and they're not even sad movies, but I'll start crying because everything's overwhelming. Like it's stupid. It's like Marvel movies, mm-hmm. uh, like, like all the action and everything's happening on stage at, or on camera at once and the music and the score and everything. And it's just, there's so much that, you know, I'll just start crying and everybody looks at me like, Oh, you're a little girl. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. And, you know, for a while I thought it was because I'm overweight and they say, you know, overweight causes estrogen or something like that. And they're like, no, actually, you're just wired differently in the brain. Um, you know, and that, yeah. that also helps make you susceptible to addiction and everything else. Um, but I did want to say to you, um, I'm glad I was listening to your guys' show because you guys were always like, uh, you guys eased AA into me, into it for me because before <laughs> I was very adamantly against it because I heard it was very religious and I'm not. Uh, and I was like, I don't think I could, I could do that. Um, but you guys were always talking about, you know, you just, you know, put aside what you don't want, find something, find something in there that you do like and go with that. And, uh, and I, again, I found a, a meeting that is, uh, a little more lax on those things. Uh, they go through the motions, but they don't, they don't push it. They don't preach it. So yeah, uh, I can go with that, but I didn't know every meeting was different. I thought it was very, you know, very dogmatic and you will follow yeah. these rules or you will not succeed. And I have met people like that. Uh, sure. <laughs> strange you know i'll have this old timer just come up to me have you bought the book yet i'm like no no i haven't i'm just uh, i'm on like day two man chill (laughs) get away from me oh if you don't do it you will fail and i'm like oh wow okay cool (laughs) like uh they 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 take it to heart and you know what works for them is fine um so far i'm doing okay without meetings because uh i've been a lot more open with my my wife and uh, my mother-in-law lives with us too so we have uh, i have two adults in the house who um are both very, very supportive of me. And, uh, I am very lucky that they both knew, um, instinctively that, you know, Kyle's going to either fix this on his own or he's not. And, you know, like they couldn't ultimatum me into doing it because with the way my brain works, uh, like of all the times in high school and since where somebody would be like, Oh, you're fat. Never encourage me to go to the gym. It always made me want to eat more. <laughs> so I could just yeah. imagine if uh, they had tried to force me into sobriety too soon uh, or before I was ready for it, probably would have had the opposite effect. Um, so I'm very glad they didn't do that. 
I know some people would probably call them enablers, uh, which I don't think applies in this situation, mm-hmm. you know, because it was all me. Um, you know, uh, my schedule was enabling my, you know, luck with employment sometimes was enabling, but, uh, I don't, I don't think they were, um, I know they didn't like it. Um, no, they, they, they prefer sober Kyle. That's for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. but again, I was never, I I I never hit anyone. I didn't, you know, I I was never an angry drunk. (laughs) I was always very happy. Um, Mm -hmm. so that helps. I guess. I mean, if you had to choose between an angry drunk or a happy drunk. Happy, uh, please. Yeah. Happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, or, or at least not the crying, sobbing drunk, because those are mm-hmm. really annoying. Uh, I remember I my uncle too. got really drunk one time and uh, just tears. I love you, man. Mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, OK, let's get in the house, man. Come on. It's weird. <laughs> I love you, too. Um, let's go in the house. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I would do that to him. Yeah, it's it's funny. You talk about, you know, when like when I think about being being overweight and um, people shaming you for it and the shame, the shame doesn't doesn't help anything because I I always felt ashamed already, mm-hmm. you know, so getting it outwardly, all it did was make me want to, again, isolate and use regardless yes. of whatever the whatever the substance was, whether it was, whether it was whiskey or, you know, um, cake or whatever, you know what I mean? Or, or McDonald's, yeah. it would just make me want to use more and more and more and more and hide. And yeah. I've talked with my, my girlfriend a couple of times and she talks about this and from, uh, from a woman's standpoint, and I think it's for men too, but, um, you know, she says that a lot of weight gain for her was really trying to make herself um, hidden. So like putting these pounds on, so people won't look at me and people won't talk to me and people will leave me alone because of other things that I'm not dealing with. And so it's almost like a protection, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially, I think it's a little bit different for women because of our culture in America and the sexualization of women and the objectification of women. But I think that it's still, it's, it works on some level for men too. And, and I I think that's starting to swap out uh, or at least the scales are going to equal out with all these uh, superhero movies now um, mm-hmm. where you've got the, you know, the guys who are six, six pack abs and everything. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, okay. He's playing, he's playing a Norse God. So of course he's going to look that way. Right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's not achievable in real life, right? Like he's mm-hmm. spending eight hours a day in the gym doing that. <laughs> um, and, but uh, I, I just want to say, you know, when it comes to people, uh, another thing that happened to me, you know, somebody mm-hmm. calls you something, for me, it was like confirmation. Oh, thank you. You've now confirmed my own bias against myself. Yeah. And then, I, you know, you'd have the internal dialogue. See, self, clearly we are fat because other people think so, too. So yeah. we are lazy, fat people. And you'll you'll have that internal dialogue of, you know, that confirmation. You're like, oh, it's not just me. Great. Yeah. OK, so that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that and. It's, it's so, it's so hard because I, I go and I see people now that I haven't seen in a year and they're like, oh my God, you look so great. Right. And, Uh and I don't, I don't always feel that way inside. And, um, nobody ever said that when I was bigger. And, um, but I also, the other thing that you said about, you know, Thor is a Greek God and he's Greek, right? Yeah. He's Greek or Norse. He's Norse. Norse. Thank you. Norse, Norse. Um, and of course that's not achievable. Well, maybe not that's achievable, 
But I think that the one thing that I realized in the last year is what is possible for me. And I, you know, there, there is something that I feel everyone can do to achieve something better for themselves mm-hmm. and looking to any sort of social media celebrity. I, I don't think it's helpful and I don't think it, it doesn't, it never made me feel good to be told by somebody who was, who was ripped or who, you know, it, it, and I had to do it my own way, which is another unfortunate, um, a characteristic of alcoholics I've found is this stubbornness and this pigheadedness. Yes. But I, I've, I've really, one of the things that I've learned is to just kind of compare myself to what I did yesterday. So who was I yesterday? Who am I today? Because now that I can look back over just in the last year and now is going to be the last five years of being sober, where I've come from is huge. And if I had done nothing that one day, five years ago, then I wouldn't be here. I would mm. probably be a lot worse. So yeah. I, I really believe, I, I believe that change is fucking possible. I believe that transformation is possible. Um, I yeah. am, I am being proof that somebody in their forties can fucking turn it around if they, if they want to. Yeah. So, I yeah, mean, I, I don't 39 too. So I'm like, Oh, well they're, they're in their forties and they're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. Sorry. I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, that's okay. But I, I just, I just think that, you know, when you talk about being bigger, it's not easy. It's hard, man. It's fucking hard. And you're like, I'm dealing with a lot of shit, you know, especially not to mention you've got a family, you've got kids, you've got a job The the world is on lockdown, you know, and all mm. these things. And it's like, give yourself a break and be kind to yourself. And that's when I think things, things can be possible for us, you know? Yeah, I'd uh, attack onto that uh, one extra thing too. Is like you're always thinking. I always had this thought is like, well, you know, I'm I'm already on my way to a heart attack. So so who knows if if this is the burger that does me in or not? And I have to keep reminding myself. I'm like, well, who cares if it is? Why eat it? You know, like if you keep waiting for the burger to kill you, it will. Um, you need to you know start eating healthy now, even if it, if it doesn't help, like maybe, maybe I still get the heart attack, but because I've been eating right and exercising at least for a little bit before that, maybe I survive it. Yeah. Like maybe that's the difference. Maybe it's not, he died from the heart attack. It's, Oh, he had one, but now look, he's okay because you know, he didn't wait to the last minute, you know, he he at least was working out for a month before it happened. And and maybe that helped just the extra 2% necessary to save me and, and keep me going for a few extra years. Um, I have to keep reminding myself of that because it's it's very easy to fall into the trap of well you're doomed already, uh, mm-hmm. you know like like uh, my my grandmother was diagnosed with diabetes in her 80s, and I was sitting there like if I was in my 80s and someone told me you're diabetic you need to change the way you eat I would laugh at them and say no I'm in my 80s I've earned this <laughs> I'm gonna go out the way I please um, mm-hmm. but again that's if I'm in my 80s um, I'm not I'm almost 40. I got another year for that, but, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, I, it's, it, I think it's best to just try and start now, even if I'm stumbling all the way, uh, to, to maybe make that 2% difference that does save my life. Fuck. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, am, um, yeah, man. I, and this idea of going out how I please, you know, like you say, is there's so much, there was so much pain involved with how I was living. Um, I used to get gout in my foot on the regular 
<laughs> I used to have back pain, debilitating, lay in bed, can't go to work for two days, you know, on the regular. Mm-hmm. This would happen like two or three times a year. Um, I was con- my feet were constantly hurting. Um, so there were so many things. So that this notion that I was getting that it for me, the pleasure was not worth the pain after a while. I mean, it took it took many years. It took it took three years of sobriety to finally get to the point where to come to that realization where you're like, I need to make a two percent difference. And then the thing is, it just becomes exponential. And then the two percent becomes four and eight and sixteen. And then you're and then you're unstoppable. I really yeah. believe that. So um yeah. So what are you gonna do with the rest of today? <laughs> what's the plan? What's um, the plan for the future? You know, uh, the one day really at a time. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now it's kind of interesting. Uh, we used to make a joke that every time uh, we started thinking about, you know, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. Sure enough, you'd wake up the next day and have something wrong with you. Like you'd be sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, anytime we'd get sick, I'd just turn to my wife. Were you thinking about going to the gym? What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> uh, now that's not an option. Um, I have a treadmill downstairs, but I can't run. Like you, uh, I got, uh, I get stress fractures really easy. So I was thinking yeah. about swimming and of course, then the gym's closed. Um, right. So I can't swim. Uh, right now, it's uh, stay indoors with my kids, uh, yeah. play video games. Unfortunately, that's still there as an option, something to do just to pass the time. Yeah, man. Um, but uh, I'm trying to go more uh, plant based dieting. So it gives me plenty of time to try out some recipes, I guess. That's that's the thing, like the looking for the opportunities. If you if there are things, you, we all know what we cannot do. Right, mm-hmm. right now because of uh, of external forces, but I love that idea of like, oh well, I guess we can try out some new recipes. I guess we can we're gonna cook at home more. I guess I'm not gonna go out for food and and so um, yeah, man, it's 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 about uh, for me just flipping the script and and I know it sounds corny. Uh, I I try to you know it's written on the whiteboard you know on my wall in my bedroom. It just says stay positive. And it's, 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 it's what I, it's what I need when I wake up and I don't have any, the thoughts are going to come in my brain and it's like, well, just read that. What does that say? And then there's another little note above it that uh, a friend of mine wrote who was living with me, like this is in 2014, I think. And it was a piece of scratch paper and he was, he was getting off the booze, although he ended up getting back on. And I was still, I would sit, I would lay in, I, I would lay in my bed in my room and drink booze and smoke cigarettes while he, he would be out in the living room. And he came down here to try and dry out with me. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it, but he wrote this thing. He said, there's no problem so bad that alcohol can't make worse. And I've kept that for the last six years just because it like, even in the drunkest before that was before I got sober, I had it. And I was like, man, and I, cause you never know what the seed is going to be. And I feel like that was one of those seeds that he planted some six years ago before I ever even thought about getting sober. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm, I thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for reaching out to me on Twitter when I was just like, Hey, anybody want to do a podcast? <laughs> we all got yeah. time on our uh, hands. Well, uh, strangely enough, I've been toying around with the idea of starting my own, not about sobriety, but just, just something to do. Like I said, I have 12 hours a day now I need to fill with something other than drinking. Right. <laughs> so, so I gotta, I gotta find some hobbies. Uh, I, I think it's a great idea for anybody who has something to say or anybody who thinks they do. I mean, give it a shot, like whatever it is that you want to do. This is a great time to, 
I'm I'm going through my computer and going through every single photo and going, nope, nope, clear, <laughs> delete, put in a folder. So, you know, whatever it is. So I, I just really appreciate, thank you for, for doing this. And um, I hope that everything, everyone's safe and sound where you're at. And I know that Washington is under the same hardcore lockdown as we are in California. Yeah. Um, but I really, I'm confident that it will blow over and we'll be able to go back outside and do all the active things that we, uh, we like to do. But, um, again, I can't thank you enough for talking. It was awesome. And I love the idea of the one last thing I want to, I want to, um, talk with you about is you say I was an alcohol, I was an alcoholic, but I never really liked drinking alcohol. No. And I think on some level uh, the, that a lot of us feel that way, or at least we do, you know, near the end, because um, that was always a thing about, I have to do this. I have to, I have to, what do you mean? Oh. I can't, I can't not drink. I have to drink. Like I have to go get some more booze and it would just become this compulsion. And so um, I, yeah, I just, it really, it uh, definitely connects with me. And, um, yeah, man, I just say stay strong and, and, and stay strong, but also, you know, get what you need and, and be vulnerable with people and it's okay to be sensitive. You know what I mean? You don't have to be yeah. strong despite or in, in, in lieu of, you can yeah, be sensitive. Search be of some strange form of masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Hey, it's, it's, it's about being human too, you know? whether you're masculine or feminine and whatever that means to you it's about being human so um kyle thank you so much yeah no problem thanks again for listening our music as always is by neglect you can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com and you can find us on all social media platforms that matter instagram facebook and twitter you can reach us at a is for alcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>